When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Paul and producer Dave. And today we're going to be covering Disney Plus's juggernaut new show. Not new show, pretty old show, actually. The Mandalorian. This is going to be season three, episode three, a.k.a. chapter 19, entitled The Convert. And... I'm going to go through the laundry list of items. Of course, I want to reroute you over to BingetownTV.com where you can find all of our previous episodes. We're like pushing 400 episodes at this point. We got Yellow Jackets coming up. We got Shadow and Bone coming up. Obviously, we're doing The Mandalorian. We just wrapped on The Last of Us coverage and we have some oldies, The Magicians, Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House. It's all there at BingetownTV.com. So just go on over there. And the easiest way to support the podcast, if you like what you hear, is to just hit that follow or subscribe button please and thank you but yes episode three of season three after a banger of an episode two they gave us what the people wanted and it is a dr pershing episode (laughs) we were just like mythosaur come on i don't care about that stuff just what is pershing up to um (laughs) yeah yeah, it was it was a little bit of a slower episode personally i think anything having to do with like how the new Republic is dealing with the empire. It's just cool world building. And you see where like the state of the galaxy is. It was like I said, a slower episode if we're being honest, but it was a good episode. I liked it. And it was bookended with some fantastic scenes following Bo-Katan and Din. So they did give us some action, but what are you guys thinking? I was thinking as I was watching this, that I know this episode in the long run, we are going to appreciate it. But in this moment, I do not care. I was like, (laughs) dude, uh, we were just like in the beginning, like you said, they throw us right into the action. I'm like, oh, sweet action episode. Let's go. And then as soon as the title sequence hit, it was like those dreams died. Dr. Pershing. (laughs) I mean, it's cool that we saw like corporate New Republic. And it, it does show like the everyday lifestyle, not just like the life yeah. of the most powerful Jedi in that world. So it, in that sense, it's like really good world building. Um, and you know how they just view the empire in general. Um, you know, you, you like whisper it, you can't even say it. Uh, it's, it was really good in that aspect. Uh, but you know, I was after last week's banger, I was, I was sitting here waiting for, Oh my God, it's going to happen next. And then Bo-Katan's like, oh, did you see anything? No. <laughs> oh, okay, we're going to ignore that. We're going to ignore what everybody wanted to talk about. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, I mean, not much to add off to that. Uh, agree with everything you guys have been saying. It was cool. I mean, I feel like this is the first time in any Star Wars uh, like work we've seen this kind of reform, like reformation side. Like, I feel like they never go into the side of what happens to you know people who used to work for the Empire. or So in that sense, it was really cool. But I was so hyped to see that it was 58 minutes because after last episode, I was like, yeah, this has got to be another 58 minute one. Like, this is going to be a banger. Yeah. A little bit slower. Again, cool to see that kind of side of 
the galaxy or uh, at least the side of the republic and how they handle these kinds of things but yeah certainly slower and still a solid episode though not going to complain too much about it um mm-hmm. definitely could have used more bow and din for sure such a honey dick that this is the 58 minute episode and the other two were both less than 45 minutes but yeah. at the same time I said it in the group chat upon my rewatch. There were a lot of scenes where I could just skip a minute or two at a time because I feel like they were giving us some cool like landscape shots of Coruscant, stuff like that. So I think that just took up a lot of time. Um, But yeah, like you guys were kind of saying, I think we needed the answer to the question, how is the New Republic dealing with the remnants of the Empire and whether or not we cared about it right now at this moment in the Mandalorian story. I am kind of glad that we got it. Hopefully it's out of the way. Well, at least the world building part of it is out of the way. I am kind of now interested in what this chick Elia is going to do, what Pershing's going to come out of that mind flare being like, uh, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Are we ready to start talking about this thing? Yes, sir. All right. So just for the audience, I do think we're going to separate our two storylines. We're going to start with the Pershing stuff, get the quote unquote boring things out of the way. And then at the end, we'll talk about what Bo-Katan and Din were up to. So without further ado, our first Pershing scene is him giving a speech in front of what I assume to be the New Republic Senate. It's giving us... It was a TED Talk. <laughs> it was a TED Talk. Yeah, it's essentially his maybe his initiation into the amnesty program, but he is presenting himself that he is a rehabilitated person, you know, Pershing. Like, uh, yeah, uh, but I'm, <laughs> you know, that he's excited to work for the New Republic, that all of his previous work, he knows it was wrong, but he was forced to do it. Not everybody had a choice to work for the Empire, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just kind of setting the scene. What were you guys thinking at this point in time of like the idea of the amnesty program? Again, I thought it was cool introduction to it because we had never seen anything like this in Star Wars. So it was actually cool because they usually just talk about it like, oh, the Empire fell. Hooray. Let's move on with our lives kind of thing. It's never yeah. OK. What actually are we doing to make sure that the Empire doesn't come back? And this was a good look into that. Um my first impressions too. We this is our first shot. Well, I guess in this season of Elia, because she is in the previous season. We do see that in like the recap at the beginning that she was just some random communication person on Moff Gideon's ship. But right. the my first impressions of her, at least, were I did think early on she even just watching Doctor Pershing speaking, I could tell she didn't have great intentions. Like she wasn't watching as if she was inspired. She looked as if she was watching just to gain information, if that makes sense. Like the look on her face didn't really seem like she was too into what he was actually saying, just more so about who he was as a person. So early on, I definitely could tell that Elia maybe was a little villainous, but I did get convinced that she wasn't. And then I got flipped back to that she was villainous at the very end. So she was really good at playing the part of a new Republic buy in throughout the entirety of the episode. But Paul, how did you feel about that uh, Kaminoan name drop when Pershing was like, thanks to the Kaminoans, we know that we can clone an entire person from a single strand of DNA? Long neck uh, boys? Uh, yeah, that was it? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, whenever it rains and I'm wearing a hood, I just want to be like Obi-Wan on his, uh, what is it, receiver back on the hologram or whatever. Mm. It was, it was just, this show is so good at just connecting all different bits of Star Wars media. 
um, and like Star Wars different movie shows and putting it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in regards of the amnesty program, it kind of reminds me of like Operation Paperclip, whatever it was after World War II, mm-hmm. when the US was like, hey, Nazi scientists, you want to come work for us instead? And it's like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, they're skilled, you know, if they weren't the ones truly that were evil and they were just and that's what Pershing was saying during his speech. He was like, I was doing work that I thought was advancing technology and I didn't know what they were planning to to use it for. So that's what he's been, you know, preaching, whether or not that's true. I think he, he knew exactly what they were doing and he didn't care. Hard to tell. Don't exactly I think, it's, know. I think there's well, a middle he, I think there's a middle ground certainly like he even we've seen it in the past in seasons one and two that he definitely was on the nicer side of the empire obviously but mm. I, I don't he might have maybe known long term what was going on but because of you know how we see him talking about science that he just wants to advance technology and wants to become part of something bigger so even if he had known I'm sure his thoughts of you know admiration for the field he was going to continue no matter what. And we see that here too, that even though it's against the rules, he's willing to go that extra length to break them to do what he thinks is right. I always had the impression that he was 100% being forced to apply his research to kind of the evil Grogu ominous causes. I guess all I was trying to say (laughs) is I always thought that Pershing was being forced by the empire to use his research for these kind of eagle evil grogu-esque causes um but that he wasn't inherently evil he just was a good scientist i don't know i guess i'm just thinking of episode one when they showed him grogu and he's like eyes light lit up and he's like or episode two maybe chapter two i'm messing it up of season one when he's like oh my god this is gonna be great and he like got all excited i was like yeah you're a little evil but regardless (laughs) This is also in Revenge of the Sith. This is where Anakin heard the the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise, right? From Palpatine? Uh, Probably somewhere similar, whether it was the same building or not, but... Dude, the red carpet. I'm like, is that the same booth? That's crazy. I I was thinking it was the the Senate room for a little bit, but I was like, ah, they don't have like those little pods all over the audience stands. And I, I was waiting for this. So this is how... Democracy dies with thunderous applause. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. We miss you, Natalie. But yeah, so after the speech, he kind of walks out and starts brushing some elbows with what I assume to be senators or politicians or something. They were in fancy garb. There was a Mon Calamari, a couple humans, whatever. And they're all just like, wow, we're happy you're on our side now, doctor. How does it feel to actually be working for a good, non corrupt political system? And Pershing's a weird dude. He's not very social. So he's just being like a little weaselly, like, oh, thank you, whatever. Um, anything there? Other than I was getting like mind control, brainwashing vibes from like very early on, even before we saw the mind flare, it definitely felt like there was some brainwashing at play here, like bossing, say, of Avatar. Interesting. I thought that they were just like playing the game, almost like remember Taisha when she was like, at that political event and everybody was just being so fake that's Mm -hmm. kind of my impression okay (laughs) once you get deeper into i assume you haven't watched any more Andor, dave uh i think i got yeah only like episode three maybe not too much farther they start getting into the politics there and i think 
these are just some senators who are trying to save face and play the game. Though yeah, I maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing them with the people actually like at the Amnesty House. Just because, uh, just yeah, like yeah, the yeah. way they all talk about Coruscant is like the best, and it's like there's, it just makes it re- really reminds me of that bossing say where they're like brainwashing everyone. They're like, there is no war outside of these walls. Like the empire is gone completely. You don't have nothing to worry about. Well, we do find out that they're not, yeah, not brainwashing yeah. people. And he alludes to before he was allowed to come to Coruscant. He was in this reintegration institute that's in the outer rim that did not seem nearly as nice as the amnesty housing. So there is like a process to be able to earn your way into this program. But mm-hmm. yeah, he takes the droid hover car uh, over to the amnesty housing. And this is where we meet the four people, M34, G27, M40, and G68, who winds up to be this chick, Elia, who I was really not expecting to see this person ever again. She was highlighted. I remember her from Moff Gideon's cruiser, but she was just kind of another face that stood out among the rest. And honestly, she was I liked what her character was bringing to the table this episode. For sure. I mean, seeing both sides of her, how well she played up being a fake, you know, reformed good guy and then switching it so quickly it was hard to decide until until the very very end scene with her at least you know it was hard for me to determine like what her goals were if she was good or if she was bad was she genuinely trying to help the new republic by clearing this guy's mind or is it up to like is she plotting something just for everyone else i i think she played it off very well it was hard for me to make a determination of whether she was good or bad it was weird because I feel like she got pissed off when Pershing said, oh, I didn't realize I'd see another face from off Gideon's ship. And everybody else around her was like, oh, I didn't know. You never told us that. Yeah. So I, I couldn't tell if she either got mad at him for that. And she's like, if she's... You outed me? Yeah. And if she's yeah. actually maybe she's... like a double-double agent, you know, she's like, she's still working for like the old empire or whatever, but That's she's what was... acting like she's a double agent for the new Republic. But it's like, you know, I'm I'm not convinced one way or the other. You got I me think... thinking now that she's probably, because they even were ta- in this conversation too, they were talking about what had happened to Moff Gideon, but there was no clear, true answer on what had actually happened to him at the end of the day. I think we can take away that Moff well, Gideon's out there, right? They dropped the. This is yeah. where we got the mind flare, flayer, which I didn't understand. For thank God for subtitles. But so um, uh, yeah. But just really quickly to go off what you were saying, Paul. Like I'm glad that you pointed that out because I didn't even process this. I guess just watching it. But I think you're right. I think she doesn't want other people to know that she was with Moff Gideon because if she still is with Moff Gideon and planning with him, then that just blows her cover even more it's like okay if moff gideon is out there mm-hmm. we have a connection to him with this girl and we're going to try and maybe we torture her to get more information out of her but i didn't even take it like that paul because at first when they said that i thought she was just like embarrassed by it but you're absolutely right she could have easily been like annoyed that her cover had slipped real quick back when dr pershing was giving his speech he like touched his ear and i was like what what was that i don't even know what that was and he does it later on in the episode I, it took me forever to realize his ear is like scarred up and scratched from the last fight. And I think he's like touching it and remembering like his like bad deeds. Yeah. Like he, I, it, it takes him back to the times that he was with the empire, I think is what it is because every time he touched it, it was about a conversation involving the empire. I think 
it's just an uncomfortable subject for him and that's just how he that's just uh, his safety net i guess touches ear as a remembrance that would have been Cara Dune, that shot, the guy yes, that was like, it was yeah, Cara Dune. okay, I, yeah. I only just put that together right now. I'm glad you brought that. I up, actually Paul. had to look it up because I thought there was something like I, I thought there was like a chip behind his ear that was like going to be like a, a Russian sleeper agent that if all of a sudden if someone said the right thing, he was going to just flip gears. But no, you're absolutely right. It was from him being shot by rest in peace, Cara Dune. <laughs> hey, that's what they did with the clones. Put him. Gave him a chip and then just yeah. flipped the switch for already 66. Uh, but yes, I think, Paul, you brought it up. They were going over the two working rumors out there about Moff Gideon. One is that he got his mind flayed. The other is that he escaped on his way to the War Tribunal. So my money's on the ladder. I think oh, Moff yeah. Gideon's still out there. And like Dave and Paul, you were kind of saying, the theory I feel best about with regards to Elia is that she is the double double agent and is still on the side of the Empire, probably flayed his mind because Moff Gideon or whoever is pulling her strings does not want his mind, his cloning mind to be working for the New Republic. Yeah, before we put that all together, I was sitting there. I was like, what does this help? How does this help Elia at all by flaying his mind? Because she, if she is evil, why wouldn't she want him on his team with his memories? But if she was good... You know, it was an evil thing to do to just have him wipe out his entire memory. So it was hard for me to determine what, what her plans was. But after already, see the knowledge of the podcast already coming in clutch here. Yep, Group she was think, enjoying this. She was enjoying those biscuits a little too much at the end. She was like, mm, "This tastes like the Empire." Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> yep. Speaking of the biscuits, though, they're like, "What do you miss most about the Empire?" and it's the yellow ration biscuits. Later in the night, he gets ding-dong ditched with the box of biscuits that we later find out were from Elia to try and curry favor with him, get him to trust her, whatever. Knock, knock, ditch, bro. Was there not a ding-dong? Oh, shit, was there? No, I, I, think, it it, I think it was... A, I'm, I'm remembering the subtitles <laughs> in my head saying knock, knock, but I can't remember if it was actually a knock Interesting. or a ding. I thought it was a ding. Well, we'll never know. There's no way of finding out either. Yeah. Anywho, we see Pershing at his cushy new desk job, inventorying Empire data files, I suppose, which, you know, it is what it is. His boss. Go have ahead. you guys both seen uh, Severance? No. Oh, my gosh. You guys are. Rookie. But yeah, that just reminded me of Severance. But go ahead, since you guys don't know the reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, his boss is like this goofy textbook bureaucrat uh who comments hey your prior work was cloning research i'm surprised you're down here they could probably be making better use of you which is kind of the theme throughout the entire episode that which pershing is, is thinking of like which what? is weird that he says this here and then later on just completely shuts him down yep walks it back i guess you're right you're he, he's just trying to make him feel good but yeah but yeah, not much to dissect there. The next scene is Pershing and Elia taking kind of their walk along Coruscant. We see insane idea that that one tip is the highest peak on the entire planet. And that is the only visible piece of the planet's surface because the entire planet is covered in city there's one trillion people <laughs> i just love this world building the idea of an entire city planet is just absolutely insane to me it's like they were talking about it like people talk about new york like you just have to be there to feel the energy man like it's an entire planet that is new york but it was cool they were like eating popsicles um 
and they broached the idea of, oh man, if, if my research was put in the good guy's hands, i.e. the New Republic, they could really make a difference with it. And Alia is like fanning the flames of that idea. Like, well, why don't you just continue your research anyway? Isn't it your moral obligation to do so if you think it could help people? She's fake. He's living on a prayer. I was buying into it though. I, I yeah, was, so was I. I was definitely thinking like, okay, like she's making sense too. She she brought up a lot of great points, like because he was he was the one backing down, but she kept egging him on, and the way she was egging him on, I think they were just good points. So I was at this point, I think my mind was already set on, okay, this girl is definitely with Pershing, and I definitely had them shipped in my mind, honestly. Shipped, really? Yeah. Oh, they I were touching hands. They were touching hands. They were looking at each other. I was like, oh my God, these guys. Oh my God. You want to talk about Reacher and Settler? That's not, they're not even in the same. <laughs> like, like, there's no way. I, the whole time, I'm just thinking, you are just dancing to exactly what she wants you to dance to. Like, you are, you are her little puppet, Pershing. Glad you Uh-oh. picked it up. I was I was clueless. I see the good in everything, Paul. That's why <laughs> I'm a glass half full kind of person. Yeah. So they have that moment. He tries to touch the mountain and the cop like scares him. I, I chuckled if I'm being honest. But the next scene is Pershing having his, I don't know, daily, weekly questionnaire with I called it the processing droid. It's just the amnesty program droid. That's like. Are you experiencing any anger or resentment towards your coworker, your current job role, the New Republic as a whole? He's like, no, no, yes, no, no. And then he's like, hey, can I ask a question? What if I continued my research recreationally? Immediately shuts him down. Sorry, that goes against the course on accord. So no, the New Republic does not want him recreationally figuring out how to clone things. They don't want to hear it, even though it would be beneficial to them to have a bunch of baby Grogu's running out there. There can only be one. This is the way. That's what makes him special. Yep. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Then Pershing goes to talk to Elia later that night. You know, he's starting to come around to her thinking, yeah, really, it is my moral obligation to do this. We know where this is heading. Like, eventually, he's going to come around to her. I guess this is the first time where she broaches the idea we'd have to, like, go outside the perimeter to get your mobile lab station if that's what you need. Um, not too much to dissect here. I just kind of want to fly through these middle scenes. The next day at the job, Pershing has that interaction with his boss about why are we in destroying this imperial tech? Like it could be beneficial to the new republic. It's like I see both ideas. If you're the new republic, you would not want to have any remnants of the empire benefiting your new society because then people it would be a little bit hard to separate those two ideas, but at the same time, I only wanted have... if it's American made. I only wanted if it's American. <laughs> the Empire stuff was the best of the best of the best, man. Say what you will about the Empire, but they did not spare I thought any it was... expenses. I mean, I guess I get where they're coming from, but at the same time, like if that tech is more advanced than your tech and it's all good to use, just fucking use it. Just repaint it so it looks like it's New Republic stuff, you know, just. Just do what you have to do to advance your society. I think I, I'm on totally on Pershing's side. I feel like if I was him, I would totally be like, why are we just scrapping this? I mean, it's frustrating if you know it can if you know it can benefit society and you're just throwing away just because we 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 don't want it, we don't accept it or something like that. It's like but and, you know, not to play. Well, we've both been saying it. You see both sides, but it's like, yeah, if you fucking have like 
a Nazi's gun left over, you're you're not like, oh, it's still a good gun, right? We should use it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> when you think about it, it's like a, it's like a book burning. Like kind of. Yeah. In a yeah. positive context, because the empire was evil, but at the same time, objectively, the information, the data they gathered is still beneficial i don't know we're talking about the point of the entire episode we're supposed to be thinking <laughs> these things. he said we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna brush through these scenes real quick and we dissect a, a 25 <laughs> second <on>. scene <laughs> why are we here if not to dissect and over analyze come on now but yeah so pershing has his second conversation with the quote-unquote processing droid and he's just like hey our main objective is to help the republic no matter what right this supersedes everything else and that's all he needed to go ahead with the plan with Elia. He goes to her and it's just like, yeah, tomorrow night we're doing this thing. He's got Enter. some balls. No, uh, he's got he some has balls. like half of one ball. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're <laughs> right. Because the whole she's time got he like, she's it. got like three balls. If yeah, I'm being she's honest, got the balls. <laughs> I like this chick's cojones, but yeah. you know, let, let's get to it. It's time to go. It's tomorrow night. They got to hop onto the train uh and this is one of those scenes where it's just like looking at the city lights it looked pretty cool pershing is obviously nervous like all in the train station there's new republic guards she's cool as a cucumber i wonder why they get on the train tongue stays am i right am i <laughs> right boys i'm surprised that wasn't <laughs> i didn't read the episode name i thought it was going to be tongue stays am i right but it it disappointed with the convert they I think- missed it Every episode so far has started with the word the. It's always been like the marshal, the apostate. Yeah, so this scene, a little bit of anxiety. The ticket droids. I just love the droids. You guys know I like the droids. But the one ticket droid notices them. They're not supposed to be there. They're like, all right, let's let's hoof it to the back of the train. They make it all the way to the back of the train. Pershing tries to hit them with the tongues days. Am I right? And it's just like, keep it to yourself, man. You creep. (laughs) I loved Um, it. (laughs) it was funny uh but yeah they make it to the back it's time to tuck and roll i i mean unrealistic scene let's be honest but that was like a small cushion if it was like a giant mattress it was like two cubic meters like that was a bullet train they made it realistic in the sense that they did say that this next stop was approaching so the train therefore was slowing down therefore they were able to make it now just i'm you're totally right though i'm on your (laughs) side that that would have that definitely would never happen thank you for playing devil's advocate though i always i need that their destination i think it had a name that wasn't the imperial scrapyard but in my notes i put it imperial scrapyard so that's what we're going with they just walk into an old cruiser. It's, you know, the lights are flickering. They got their flashlights and shit. There's bugs all over, loose wires, whatever. Ellie is like, I'm sorry. I never introduced myself back in the old days. He's like, ah, the old days were the old days. And she's like, but now it's the new days. I'm Ellie, a communications <laughs> officer. He's like, Dr. Penn Pershing, scientist. It was good times. So I was feeling good. Ellie had me. She had me. This was the yeah. scene that definitely made me think okay i'm i'm with this i'm with them you know they They just held hands to jump off the train i was like okay i'm feeling the sexual tension here but i guess that was only from pershing because elliot did not give two fucks about him (laughs) well yeah that's that's for sure i was getting no sexual tension this entire time but she was 
she was doing like the 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 attractive assassin sedu- seduction yeah, I guess you're right. target a, type yeah. thing and, and the, i was totally the dorky guy yeah who was yeah. gonna go for it and he was falling for it so they get to the lab and hit Pershing's eyes light up. He's like, oh, this is everything I could have wanted and more. He starts reminiscing. I remember the first time I stepped into an Empire lab, I realized that I had made it. And he asks her, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And a little bit of a weird response. She says, I didn't have much time to think about it. End of story. No further questions. Any thoughts there? I mean, I'm going to wait until the last scene we have with her to throw up any conjecture. Cool, cool. So Pershing hears a noise. She's like, nah, it's just the ship settling, but I'll keep watch. And then, you know, they go out into the hallway, another louder noise. They see lights outside. She leads them to his ultimate demise. You know, they get out of the cruiser helicopter overhead, swarmed by New Republic troops. And this was cold blooded. She just like steps from beside him to in front of him, gives him the nod picks up the thing and then just like 180 i'm out of here i was looking for any i was looking for any signs of maybe potential like remorse on her face when she was doing it i thought it looked like maybe in my first watch through it looked like she did have remorse but then when you rewatch it and you see what the intentions were the whole time she was cold-blooded she just took the thing right from him looked him dead in the eyes and was just like yeah i'm better than you (laughs) so I definitely had my suspicions the whole time. Then they did the handshake, and I'm like, "This is this is weird. This feels like this." She knows she's about to take him down, so she's like, "I want you to know who exactly it was." Like, I'm gonna make you pretend this is a nice moment, but in in retrospect, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, you asshole!" So when it finally came out, oh, well, first of all, as soon as I heard the sound. And he was like, what was that? And she was like, oh, it was just ship settling. I was like, all right, confirm. She's like a narc. Yeah. And then it happens. But when she did the move, it was like, all right, confirmation just picks up and walks away. Um, that was pretty cool. Gotta love the fucking helmets, dude. They just look so New ridiculous. Republic ones? They just look so ridiculous, man. It's so There's funny. no way they're like practical at all. <laughs> I don't see how. If a laser yeah, hits no. it, is it is it going to go through or does it actually stop you? I've never actually seen armor work, right? Like clones? clones? Huh. Stormtrooper armor doesn't. They could be naked. Yeah, it. It doesn't Han Solo like anything? Han Solo like shoots a dude, a dude point blank, and it like breaks his armor. It's like, what's the point of this shit then? It just. I work. took us way off track. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely knew that she was a narc, so I wasn't like huh, when she when she turned and took, but it was definitely still badass. I was a little, I was a little gasping there. I was a little gasp, just a tiny gasp, not not a big one, but tiny. So. There is a few lines that could be the line of the episode. Tong's days, am I right? Is definitely one. We got Bo Katan going scud muffers. That's the other one. But That's dirty. Oh, it was a it was an insult. <laughs> it was definitely an insult. But Brian, did you catch this third and low key reference, but amazing reference coming up when he's on the mind flaying table? Oh, it was a trap. Dude, it, yeah. it, and it goes right to the guy, the doctor, flaying his brain. And it, it literally, it's like he looks at the camera. Like he doesn't look at the camera, but like he stops and turns. And if like there was a camera on the side, he was looking at that. It was like, they he just did stole it, my line. They did it perfectly enough so that they highlighted it, but not over highlighted it. Yep. Loved it. OG fans loved it. Like, what's not to love? 
I also so love good. how much we saw the Mon Calamari in this episode. Like they're such bastards. Love those guys. Every time you see them, all you think is, oh, it's a trap, right? And like, mm-hmm. so when we got introduced to him after his speech to, you know, and, and all the politicians were coming up when, when the Mon Calamari comes up, I'm like, oh, it's a trap in my head. Yeah. So I think they know that everybody knows that or does that at this point. Oh, so yeah. the fact that they actually paid tribute to it later on. Just, Do you know just the guy's name? The OG guy's name? Admiral Akbar. Yes, sir. Hell man, yeah. Good man. You're an OG oh, trilogy tra- guy. I, yeah. I shouldn't uh, insult you with questions like that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this guy was kind of a cocksmack, but I loved his energy. Pershing's freaking out. You're going to wipe my mind. He says, absolutely not. This isn't the Empire, son. This year's a 602 <laughs> mitigator at a low voltage. Pershing's like, bro, do not play my mind. Um, <laughs> Thank you this- for mansplaining the mind flayer to me. Like, yeah. I'm a scientist. I know exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, this is the moment where you kind of see that the uh, the New Republic, you know, isn't all sunshines and rainbows. I mean, it does have their dark side as well. I mean, if you want to really get down to it, you know, obviously they're better than the Empire, but it seems like this that make you question really if they are that much better because, you know, this is a totally messed up thing to do to people, especially those who are, in my mind, innocent as Pershing. But to them, obviously, he was it, it, to them, it was obvious that he was looking to maybe start a rebellion or something. But it just goes to show you that this this place isn't as great as it appears to be. Bossing say yeah. vibes. Bossing say. Bossing say vibes. Oh, okay. Hey, I, I love that comparison. And, you know, I guess we will never really know what the the new mind flayer would have been at that low voltage because the Mon Calamari said he had done the treatment and he seemed pretty chipper, if refreshing. not docile. Yeah, yeah. refreshing even. Um, but yeah, Elia has a. I don't know, her supervisor or whatever, watching through the window. She's like, "Eh, you head out. I want to stick around because I still care about Dr. Pershing. And she just whips that dial all the way to bajillion. And I guess we don't even know what Pershing's going to come out of there looking like. I don't know. I I felt so bad for Pershing, man, because we did really see how genuine he did actually really want to help the Republic out. He knew everything that he had done in his past was wrong. Um, Well, mostly everything. I mean, still for science, he'll do anything. But then but I feel bad for him. still. I mean, he he was developing to me. Apparently, I was the only one getting this vibe. But, you know, he was getting a crush on a girl. He like he he has this (laughs) idea that he's going to help the new Republic. Things are going well. And then everything is just gone to shit. And he would it would have never happened had Elia never set him up. Like I True. she I she specifically yeah. targeted him, I'm sure, because he was on Moff Gideon's ship. Um, we'll find out that later. But yeah, it just felt like he would have been totally fine if not probably thrived in this new republic at some point, but that just went away all because of this one girl, and I feel kind of bad for him. And to go into the question of will we see him again in the Mandalorian? I'm assuming yes. If I had to guess, there's I don't think there's no way like they just wipe his mind and then like that's it. Like there's definitely going to be some side quest of retrieving his memory and like getting some information about maybe Moff Gideon that would be really? helpful. I, that's I just a, I'm pitching that. That's just a theory. <laughs> I was getting it more of this is the end of Pershing. Like I, he could be dead for all I know. Like he, like, he it could be the end that of mind him. so much. But I was getting more of this is the rise of Elia and because. 
Mm-hmm. If she still is working for Gideon, she now has all the lab equipment that she wanted from Pershing because mm-hmm. she just grabbed it and walked away. So oh. she's going to be able to fulfill whatever mission she's trying to get going. She's like, Pershing, you're already trying to fucking like rat me out. Let me just wipe everything just in case. Yeah. And I mean, Pershing I think- is a character that is definitely he's kind of worthy in coming back, but if they also just wanted to end his story here, I'm fine with it as well, because you're right. He got a whole episode. Yeah, he got a whole episode. He got a whole episode in two seasons, so that's pretty good. I think it was a good misdirect because all of us probably, right when we saw this was going to be a Pershing episode, we probably all accepted, oh, okay, Pershing is going to be like our representative POV of how the Empire's being processed. I wasn't thinking that they were going to abort that and give us Elia as mm-hmm. our like POV. I think she's a don't want to say more interesting character, but she's definitely seems to have that cold blooded empire mentality, which having her as a cover agent, it, you know, I'm connecting a lot of dots that haven't been confirmed saying she's working for the empire, but that's got to be it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's no yeah, other reason yeah. you get rid of. Pershing but, for that because that is his even if you look at it as Pershing's you know a good guy like he's no longer of use to the Empire like he's still a smart guy like that would still be knowledgeable you'd still want him on your side so for her to yeah. just go that far shows that he's just a throwaway I guess yep and I'm kind of with Paul I we're we better get confirmation on what happens to Pershing but it could be us just seeing him being pushed out on a gurney or like yeah, a like a wheelchair yeah. kind like, of thing yeah, he's dead day. and then show us Elia again and what she's up to um yeah. I totally agree that I thought this is more of a, a Pershing redemption episode but it turns out to be a, the rise of Elia episode and her shenanigans um but also the last scene as she is looking I'm sorry, her last scene, I should say, this episode. And she's looking at, you know, Dr. Pershing just get destroyed. Did her eyes, like, light up and change? Or is that just me? I mean, I don't know if you're... could have been reflecting the lights from the Mind Flayer, but I did not see that. It could have been symbolism of her, like, showing her true expression, you know, her true self. Because I couldn't tell. I was like, do we know any, like shapeshifters that can like do that because i know oh, we you're the talking one... like that level that okay. would be wild yeah. well because we had that one uh what was it it was the person trying to assassinate uh padme in right. episode two and and you know anakin and obi-wan go on that long like speeder chase and then uh mm-hmm. eventually you know they get it and it looks like a person with gills I and mean, then it was like a shapeshifter i don't know if it was a shapeshifter i like never understood i never understood that scene like why her face changed the way i don't know did, if they ever explained it could have been a shapeshifter explain it here that'd be sweet i love that <laughs> you're comparing these two scenes yes i digress i don't know if i was just you know seeing the reflection that you're seeing that you guys were saying or if there was something more to it yeah and that is our last scene following ellie and dr pershing uh well the last thing I want to say on this is if Dr. Pershing comes out of that mind flayer and is still alive, just maybe like not as smart, it would set the stage for a Pershing redemption arc. He also might be sent back to the reintegration Institute, which is something he said they would do if they found him outside of his perimeter. So it might follow his story there. There's a lot of different ways we could go with this. Um, now that we're talking about it, I'm actually a lot more excited about 
what's going to happen here on Coruscant with these two. But are we ready to get into the Mandalorian stuff? Always. Sweet. Let's do it. So we pick up literally right where we left off episode two. Din has just been pulled out of the living waters in the minds of Mandalore. Bo-Katan's right there when he wakes up. Um, and she's like, hey, I was here. I witnessed you are redeemed. You are once again a Mandalorian. And she's like, hey, by the way, did you like see anything down there? A dumb question. But like, did you see anything? He didn't see nothing. Okay, me like- neither. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel like for Din, that should have been like, maybe not a red flag, but like the fact that she even brought up if anything was alive down there, having the information, knowing that the planet was cursed and nothing could survive it. That would just be a strange question to ask in, the, in this whole thing. Hey, man, Din is still rocking a hard on that. He's an official Mandalorian. Once again, his eye, he doesn't know nothing about the Mythosaur at this point True. in time. But this whole scene brings up that the last recording you you two, but specifically Dave, were thinking that Bo-Katan doing that eye contact with the Mythosaur was like an acknowledgement from the Mythosaur. Mm-hmm. And this context is kind of lending more to that, that the Mythosaur made himself visible or yeah, like it just didn't, visible like it attacked, only to Bo-Katan. Yeah, it well, attacked we Din. He, well, we can't assume that he attacked Din, but he drowned Din. And then when well, like he could have easily tried to drown Bo-Katan as well. Or Paul myth- brought up that, that it could have been, question. A, it could like, have been a coincidence that something else pulled him down and he was just chilling there. I yeah. think, Paul, you brought that up. Yeah, and he didn't reference it at all. I was waiting for him and he was like, oh, I didn't know it was that deep. And I'm like, what? So did you just like step off and you just fell because you had armor on? And you didn't have your jetpack on because he Wait, made it seem like something that makes didn't... sense. I figured it out. I figured it out live on air. He took his jetpack off to bathe in the waters, right? And then he stepped off. Yes, he did. And he, he didn't have it. And he had all of his armor and he was just totally sinking. It. And as he was sinking, uh, he, I guess, lost consciousness or whatever. And then because Bo-Katan jumped you're totally, totally right. it. Because he, even when he wakes up, he doesn't even acknowledge that something grabbed him. Like he just says, like, it, he makes it just seem like I fell in there pretty much. Yeah. You okay. Know? So you're right. right. So I guess physics, physics work out for once in, in a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I guess you would just sink in Best Car. Fuck, yeah. I'm glad Bo-Katan was with him. Holy shit, that could have been really bad. I imagine, yeah, oh my gosh. He, he survives all this, and he's like, oh, I didn't realize how deep it was, and that's how he goes out. Because I'm sure Come maybe, on. I'm sure, like, maybe they only wear the helmet when they do this, like, regularly, not, like, the whole suit of armor that he was rocking. Yeah. So, who knows, yeah, though? for sure. Well, well, like she also reference- did... Go ahead. Okay, you go ahead. Yes, from (laughs) from the night of a thousand tears, there was seismic activity, and that's why it was so cavernous and had such a deep abyss. So they did explain it. Honestly, Paul, I'm glad you just brought it up because I was like, Din, do you not remember being grabbed by the ankle or something? Yeah. Like Dave said, physics makes it work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, now that they are officially bathed in the living waters, they intend to head back to Calavala, just regroup. Din can get the N1. He's like, I am forever in your debt. Thank you so much for saving me. Um, but they don't have much time to enjoy it because they are pursued by, I don't know, like a squad of five TIE interceptors. They're approaching Calavala, so Din has to man the rear gun. I, this is just like a great Star Wars dogfight. Bo-Katan's ship remains undefeated. Like, it's Dude, the when, champion of the world. 
I love when she does the 180 spin with the Whoa. the one the one side of the ship like pops up so the the, the wind can you know flip it yeah. even quicker. It's so badass. And I have been getting to like the uh what is Din the N1. Again? Yeah, the N1 is also Dude. growing on me too. All right. How they're just like we can't like officially land. You're just going to have to jump and he's just yeets himself off the side. I yeah, fucking love yeah. him. The shot of him free falling and the interceptors like zooming past him. I, I cannot say enough how like the CGI that Disney has been using for this show is top of the line. I think it's comparable to HBO Game of Thrones at its peak. I'm not going to lie. Up, up this there. is everything I have ever wanted visually from Star Wars content. Um, keep it up. Mm hmm. I, I just think to myself, it's a shame the OG trilogy did not have access to this stuff because like the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight in A New Hope, it's a classic, but like could have made work. that one <laughs> yeah. of the best lightsaber duels of all time. But, you know, that's just always going to be something. Um, two things real quick. Yep. One, you know, the, the ties come in and I'm like, oh, TIE fighters. And they're like interceptors, and they make it a point to say, yeah. "Oh, these these interceptors are are way stronger." And I'm like, "Thank God I wasn't watching with any Star Wars nerds." <laughs> Emily doesn't know I was wrong. Um, and then the second part is when he sh shoots that shot out of the N1, and it's that little blue ball. I'm like, "Dude, this is Anakin in Phantom Menace taking down that fucking fleet ship in that N1." Like, it's just. It it took me back, and yep. I mean, I've said that a million times. This show that is that is what this show does so good. Little things like that, they're like, oh my god, that was in this. Oh my god, that was in that, and it just that, makes you as a, as a fan, it's more rewarding. It makes they they make them subtle too. They're not like overly in your face, where it's like, okay, that can get annoying. But these are just subtle shots that are like you can keep you can keep doing these subtle shots like this and I'll eat them up all day whereas Marvel I feel like they are not so good when they make references to like the older movies yep. it's just like so in your face it's like okay that's not even like a cool reference anymore subtle callbacks but they don't rely on them yeah and exactly. this one specifically Paul reminded me of in season two when Boba Fett dropped the electric pulse bomb and mm. that just makes the most satisfying sound of all time I remember the fan base was like yes they gave it to us we <laughs> love that shit yeah um, I remember that podcast recording mm -hmm. but yeah uh din free falls like you guys said, I'm starting to come around to this N1 if I wasn't already. How he just like gets in, immediately pulls on the throttle, and he's like out. This thing just zips. I I just love the Starfighter so much. It was a great dogfight, honestly. He takes out his one by like going straight up, free falling down, turning around. Like they both just handle their shit very well. Like Dave said, it concludes they take care of the last one with the nice 180 flip. What do I have? I, but yeah, the main, a little, a little swivel. The main thing here that I, I honestly kind of missed on my first time watching was that the, I think at first when I was kind of watching, I was like, all right, this is like obviously a really cool dogfight. But at the same time, it's like, what was the purpose of this? But it's actually be they end up destroying the castle, right? Yep. And so Bo-Katan no longer has a place to stay, which kind of ties into this final, final scene that we're going to get into. But at first, when I was watching it, I I, I must I must have missed them destroying the castle because I was like, why? Mm -hmm. What's the point? Like, where did these Tie Fighters come from? What's the point of this scene? But it is to prove that Show Bokatan literally has no home and no following either, and she's going to get both of those at the end of this episode. Yeah, they're setting it up for Bokatan 
to reconnect with her roots. And I love that's my big note of this episode. I love that they're doing that for her character. But Dave, you just used the word her home. That wasn't just her current residence. She told us it was a Mandalorian castle. It Mm -hmm. was her home. I I can't. I don't know if I can confirm this, but like I said, she's from Clan Crees. They were Mandalorian royalty, if you will. I think that was like the Crees's house of power. So the like summer home. Yeah, the summer. I think home. that was the spot, man. So like King's Landing. It was a little extra, you know. It was uh, rubbing yeah. salt in the. She wound. was pissed too because oh, she yeah. she wanted to go after him. She was seeing red. Didn't had to talk her back over and over to finally calm her down. This is where she dropped Scud Muffers line. Yeah. And I was like, the, co- cover the kids' ears. Cover the cat's ears. The <laughs> yeah. ears. Uh, but you're absolutely right. She was seeing red, tried to pursue the bombers, but then a squadron of like, I don't know, 20, 30 of these interceptors come flocking in. And Din was like, yo, Bo, who, who the hell's after you right now? She says, probably an Imperial warlord. And then when the 20 ships come, she's like, oh, shit, that's that's a lot just for an Imperial warlord. And I forget, guys, do we know an Imperial warlord who may or may not have escaped on the transport to a specific alleged war tribunal, war tribunal? who yeah. may or may not have access to a fleet of this caliber? Golf, yeah. Golf Midian? Yeah, is that his name? <laughs> oh, really? Because I was thinking of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh my God! Okay, well I was gonna. No, say I'm kidding. Thrawn. I was thinking both, but yeah. Oh my God! Okay, I was gonna say Thrawn, but then you said the guy who escaped, and I was like, Oh, you're talking about mom. But I mean, it was it a mystery, bro. A mystery could be. I mystery Morty. <laughs> could be Thrawn. It could be, it could Thrawn. be Thrawn. Either way, I'm. If they want to, you know, bring back Moff Gideon just for a little bit to maybe even hype up more thrawn i'm in with it either way i I love that they did kind of reference both of them in the in the same episode it's it's i think yeah as of right now those are the only two names that we could be thinking and honestly if you were moff gideon and you did escape you wouldn't have any resources you're probably just on a transport pod i'd fucking shack up with grand admiral thrawn to regroup so we might be dealing with both of them and i can see it that's a scary thought so yeah (laughs) you're telling me dave you are telling me so yeah that's a little food for thought who's after bo-katan which of the big dogs um and yeah so that is kind of our cut to dr perching stuff blah 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 and then we reconvene like dave said bo-katan's looking for a new home Din knows just where to go when we go back to the caves and catch up with the armorer and the rest of the Mandalorian covert that we are so familiar with. And we once again see this guy, Paz Vizla, who is once again doing his tough guy act. And Loser. Be- yeah, hey, I was a little pissed. Hey, whoa, I love, whoa, whoa, pa- I love him, but I was a little pissed. He was like not willing to let our boy into the back into the squad. Hey, man, our boy was an apostate and they thought mandalore was cursed he thought din was trying to pull a fast one on him okay we know the kind of guy paz is very prideful right. muscle head hmm. he's a guido bro he goes, <laughs> he's not gonna let everybody just any bozo off the streets to see the armor he goes we'll see and i'm like din just br- tag him br- bring him along with you as Splash. soon as soon as the smith Drops that fucking water in there. Grab his head, shove it in the water. See, like, you see that? See that as the living waters. Yeah. yeah, and I'm redeeming you right now as I fucking kill you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, a little. 
a little bit of dialogue between Paz and Bo-Katan I want to highlight when he says, when he first lays eyes on her, he says, who are you, Night Owl? I'm like 90% mm. sure it's Night Owl, but yeah, definitely Owl. Yeah. That is a callback to kind of the intriguing past of her. I believe the markings on her helmet would have given that mm -hmm. information away, but that's kind of a tie-in to the old splinter group of the Mandalorian ideology that I referenced Bo-Katan was caught up in. So cool. they're sprinkling the seeds at this moment in time. Um, and then also Paz just takes the shot and says, Bo-Katan Kreese, your clan has fallen out of the way. So yeah, he's he's got no love for the creases. Little does he know, she is also redeemed. So <laughs> that was Boy, a great that was a great twist that I was like kind of absolutely like a little pissed that we didn't bring that up on episode two about that we were so distracted with the mythosaur that we completely forgot that Bo Katan herself has now been redeemed as well, and this is the way. Yeah, I like the way that they poured that uh, living water in. Looked like a pensive from Harry Potter. Yeah, I was thinking the same Definitely. thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Din Djarin, you are redeemed. This is the way. Bo-Katan by Creed, you too are redeemed. You may join our covert and live as our ancestors did. You may leave whenever you want. Until then, you are one of us. This is the way. Bo-Katan's back. Crazy. I mean, this episode was a what is it like a double entendre basically because you think of the convert you think of it maybe as dr pershing you know converting to the the new wow. republic and then now you also think of it as bo katan being a convert to going back to the traditional mandalorian mm. way of life so wow. i, I, I just pieced that i just yeah. pieced that together <laughs> i don't know why but i just pieced it together so there was a little bit of a deeper meaning to this episode than meets the eye oh my god so smart <laughs> But that was Honest. still a solid episode. I mean, it was 58 minutes. I think we could have dealt with a little bit less pursing stuff. I don't know what they could have cut out, but there were definitely maybe a little bit too much there. But everything going on with the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan right now, I emphasized it last episode. I'm going to do it again this episode. I fucking love that we're getting this much Bo-Katan. Absolutely. Like, I just thought she was oh, going to yeah. be maybe an end of season reintroduced comeback character. But if she's going to be here for the ride, Let's fucking do it up because I'm Dude. I'm such a sucker for these moments, especially it's like the armor, her Bo-Katan and Mandalorian, like such a powerhouse of fucking Mandalorian power in one room. We were saying last episode, you know, what does this journey into the waters mean for these two? And we were saying, you know, maybe after seeing that, after seeing the Mythosaur Bo-Katan yeah. actually, you know, falls back in. I think we even said like she doesn't take her helmet off anymore. Like she'll, she's going to follow the way. And now all of a sudden she's fucking in. So it's like, God well, damn, never... is she going to stick stick with it? Or is she going to? I mean, she said, she even said early in the season, I said the creed when I was young, you know, and, and got my helmet. So as long as she did that, she went to confession, basically. She went into the living waters and she got like cleaned. So now she's good to go. Like, why couldn't she just slip back into her old role? And I like the armor re-emphasized too that she does have the option to leave if she wants to. Like no one is going to tell her that she has to sit here and follow the creed if she wants to do her own thing. The, the armor kind of reiterated, saying, "You know, you don't have to stay here. I guess so. You can do what you want." So I kind, I actually yeah. found that a little bit interesting coming from the armor because of how dedicated they are to the creed. It, it was surprising to hear that you know they still are so open to the idea of, you know, you are your own person. You can do what you want still. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention, I really appreciated how 
accepting the armorer was of Bo-Katan yeah. because I forget if it was in the book of Boba episodes or maybe just season two, but Din asked the armorer specifically, like, who is this Bo-Katan Kree's chick? And the armorer seemed to kind of talk about her poorly, mm-hmm. called her a, said- caution- a cautionary tale of like what not to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly like that. So it seemed like the armor armorer had a negative preconception of Bo-Katan, but I, it seems like the armorer just puts the way, the creed above yeah. everything else. Hey, she bathed in the water, hasn't removed her helmet. She is a Mandalorian. I'm in. If you want to stay here, follow our rules. We are family. And if you want to leave, that's cool with me too. So I really just liked how the, the armorer approached this situation. But yeah, guys, that's our episode. Um, I think Disney knew that we needed these awesome Mandalorian scenes. It couldn't have just been all Pershing this episode. But I, the more we talked about this, I think it probably bumped it up from like a, I don't know, six and a half to a seven and a half for me. Yeah, probably Definitely. in that range. I would yeah. say. Yeah, um, sure. I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought it was good. Not great. But in retrospect, this is going to be a really good episode for you know different info dumps and whatnot it was no yeah no expectations for next episode i just think it's going to be bokatan chilling getting settled i don't know if they're going to go directly on a mission but i i I couldn't even guess what the mission was and and bokatan continues to uh increase her stock in becoming the leader of mandalore by now redeeming herself so she her and din still i love just bringing it up the the head-to-head battle that we're inevitably going to have between the two whether it's peaceful or not it's it's building it's there yep and i mean the talk going into this season was that this was going to be a season all about the mandalorians the planet of mandalore their culture their backstory it's going to be very focused on that part of the story here and for next episode, my only hopes, we got the Armorer, we got Bo-Katan, we got Din, we got Paz, like all under one roof. Nobody has an immediate mission that they have to go to. I want some backstory. I want Bo-Katan to have like a heart to heart with the Armorer because they both seem like they've kind of seen it all. I want them to just shoot the shit and pick each other's brains. I kind of want the Armorer to vent her dirty laundry like yo Bo-Katan why did the creases like fall out of the way and Bo-Katan to give an explanation of why I'm really hoping they establish kind of the ideologies that I've kind of been describing to you guys but I've been holding some of my punches because I think they're going to canonize a lot of it here I I just want it all I think next episode could potentially be another info dump but a really really good info dump that tells us a lot about the mandalorians um anything else guys all right am i right tongue stays am i right yep so uh we are going to be covering it weekly we drop on tongue stays so keep an eye (laughs) out for that uh Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, this was season three, episode three, chapter 19, The Convert. Um, that's a wrap. As always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.